Okay, we are back for week number four in our midweek conversations about our soul care series. And this week, we not only have one person that's gonna be a part of this conversation, not only two, but we're gonna have the opportunity to hear from three different people from our community as we explore the idea of interior exa examination. So uh, first of all, why don't you all introduce yourselves and kind of our standing question is, what do you do to spend your days? Like, how do you spend your days? here in this beautiful city of Austin. So why don't, why don't you kick this off? Um, yep, hi, I'm Adrienne Petnov, and I am a graduate student at Texas State where I'm studying professional counseling. So this sermon this week was definitely a lot of what I'm thinking about in terms of my training and uh, things that I do. So yeah, so that's, I'm a grad student in counseling. My name is Mary Tucker, and I spend my days managing real estate that my husband and I own. And that means I spend a lot of time talking to plumbers and painters and electricians. And I have recently discovered the utter joy of pickleball. Oh. And I play about five times a week. Who is your favorite trade to talk to? Is it the plumber, the electrician? The plumber for sure. Yeah, they're great. They know everything. Yeah, they do. Everything but how to wear a belt appropriately. <laughs> uh, what about you, Fabs? <laughs> I'm Renee, my name is Fabs. I work part-time at The Vine, and then I work part-time for a YouTuber, part-time for a TikToker, just do managing social media and project management kind of things, and then I also see a couple of clients for counseling. So what do you do with the TikToker? For the tick, oh, I don't know. I'm like, can I just close off the record? <laughs> off the record. For the TikToker, I handle a lot of her communication within some of her community. Oh, I see. So they think that they're talking to her, and then Fabs is like ghostwriting the TikTok stuff. Uh, often it's more like I'm a go-between where I'm, I ah. get the information from her and then share it. That's so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we are exploring the concept of soul care as a part of interior examination. So, uh, why is the work of interior examination so difficult for our culture? I think, you know, as we talked about in the past, we have the image of an iceberg and so much of our life is above the surface and interior examination is really about going deeper. Yet there's a lot of things working against that important work in our culture. So, um, why is that so difficult for us? And what are those things that are combating that, that important work? I really think it's just a lot of a lot of American culture is so focused on productivity mm -hmm. and how much we can produce and how much we can accomplish. And so just the ways that our days are structured and how much work we're encouraged to do really doesn't leave much time for that sort of self-reflection. And then the other part of that is that it's just really hard to go there because it is difficult to sit in those emotions. And so Sometimes we welcome the distraction because mm -hmm. we don't want to go there. And sometimes it's not even safe to go there on your own. Right. Without a counselor, without trusted people around you. Yeah. What about for you, Mary Fabs? What do y'all think? I would say for me, I would never learned to tolerate discomfort. And looking inside, you have to tolerate discomfort. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's like that ability to hold space for conflicting emotions or right. emotions that you think you have narratives around them they're not acceptable to you and I think that makes kind of like what you were saying Adrian but when we look inside we're going to find narratives and emotions that are counter to what we hope or what we feel like we ought to have mm -hmm. and I think if you can't tolerate the dissonance of that then usually you just repress which right. you know never works out well for anybody 
but I think it is easier. And then we have a great tool for oppression, which is like productivity and moving and keeping going in your phone. So we have a lot of ways that we, we unless you really wanted it, unless you really valued the outcome, I don't know why you would do it at all, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to have that value first. I think so. Yeah. So that's the, that's the tide that's pulling us away that we have in our culture. But then also, for many of us, this work of interior, like looking inward. And in fact, I loved your sermon on Sunday, using the terminology of stories, uh, looking inwards at the stories which we hold. The church also makes it complicated, too, in many ways. As we were to examine our own thoughts, examine our feelings, there's some barriers that many of us have been given by the church. So. How have you seen that at work in your own lives? I would say everything I judge about myself, and usually I am judging my fear and anxiety, but as I judge them, and the church has taught me to judge my emotions, when I do that, everything gets stronger. I try to repress it, and it just has this tendency to come back stronger, so that judgment is so destructive. Yeah, I feel like I have a lot of oughts and shoulds. Like, this is what I should think. This is what I should believe. This is how I should behave. This is how I should feel. And the problem with those, like, shoulds and oughts is, like, I think even when you use that word, it kind of is a clue that that's an outside-in belief. Like, somehow it hasn't been fully integrated yet. And I think the church is so good uh, in some ways at telling you, what you ought to believe, how you ought to behave, what your life should look like, what you're feeling, what it would look like for your feelings to align with the gospel or the kingdom of God. And so it can be really hard, I think, to create space for the reality of what the feelings are or what the thoughts are. Uh, those shoulds and oughts, I think, at least for me, the church has given me a lot of them and makes it really hard to feel safe processing feelings or thoughts without feeling like you're on a slippery slope to some kind of like destruction or danger or straying away from God, you know? So let me give an example of like from Mary. Thanks for sharing about for you, what you try to repress is you shared what is it? Anxiety and Mm -hmm. fear. Fear. And um, I have heard so many times in churches, the line, Uh, do not be anxious about anything. Mm -hmm. That's a should, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have anxiety, that means my faith is weak. I'm living in sin. I don't trust God. The reality is a lot of us experience anxiety. And if we have been trained to just repress it, I love how you say like it just gets bigger. It's not actually brought out into the light Mm -hmm. of God's grace, God's wisdom. So maybe, so instead, this work of interior examination is actually bringing that thing that we're shooting ourselves, mm-hmm. like we shouldn't do or feel or think, and just actually sitting with it, befriending yeah. it, and maybe inviting that to be in conversation with God. Yes. Right. Yeah, and finding Perfect. a way, I think, to separate it from that secondary emotion of, like, so let's say you have anxiety. That's an unpleasant feeling. It creates distress in your body, your body wants to do something with it, so you have to have a certain amount of tolerance to even like sit with it. Mm-hmm. But I think for people in the church, they have an additional secondary feeling of shame that kicks in. Because now you don't mm-hmm. just have your anxiety, which feels really uncomfortable, now you have shame, which feels awful. And now your anxiety means something to you about who you are and where you are with God. 
So you, it's not just like, oh, I have to learn to cope with how this feeling feels in order to work through it. Now it's like, I have a like time pressure to work through it really fast because it means something about my character, my belonging, my faith. And I think that like the combination of those two different emotions just makes it really hard to work through the core emotion, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The feelings like about your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't think, I don't think many churches give us the tools for that work, which is so important. Mm -hmm. That's why on Sunday, Fabs, your first step in an interior examination, the step of being gentle and compassionate and curious with what's going on inside of you versus being judgmental or condemning is so important. Could you, could you all speak a little bit more about that? How does that actually look? to treat yourself, your interior self with curiosity and gentleness. So I just read that people who are more compassionate for themselves actually do better in life. And for decades I would judge everything. And I finally now when something comes up and I'm compassionate, it helps me so much. It just makes me stronger and I'm more able to cope with different situations when I'm more compassionate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, I think people think it's going to be dangerous, like especially mm -hmm. if you've grown up in the church, I think there could be a fear if I'm compassionate, if I give myself grace in this, if I accept all the parts of me, then I'm going to somehow welcome sin or brokenness, I'm not going to want to change, I'm going to be content with broken patterns in my life or coping mechanisms and and honestly like kind of like the gospel or secure attachment it works the exact opposite way like the mm -hmm. more safe and loved someone feels the more able they are to change and resist patterns and make good choices but i do think people feel like compassion is is dangerous it feels easier to approach yourself and others with that like I guess punishing mindset or just like i need to tell you there's danger here or you won't ever stop doing this yeah. thing you know I love how you can say what I actually wanted to say. <laughs> you said it correct. Good job. <laughs> it does seem like yeah. the, the response oftentimes is to judge thoughts and feelings, yeah, good and bad. For sure. It's like this binary options that we have. And honestly, like making those quick judgments kind of pushes us away from interior and up and up above the surface using that iceberg an analogy, but rather than just sitting with something with curiosity. And one of the things that you mentioned this, Fabs, um, that I learned from Brene Brown that I think is so helpful in my relationships is, to, is with curiosity to th think through what is the story I'm telling myself? And once I, you can put a finger on that, then you can go to that person and say, hey, just so you know, when you don't reply to the email I sent you four days ago, the story I'm telling myself is I'm not important or it's not valuable for your attention. And is that story at all true? <laughs> Rather than just assuming, making assumptions and that kind of thing. Uh, and it feels vulnerable to share that, but it, it really invites people into helping unpack those stories, uh, which that's interior examination for me in many ways. And then also just recognizing that emotions just come out of nowhere sometimes. Like some, maybe we're just overwhelmed, maybe we're just tired. You know, there's so many reasons why we can have emotions and we don't have to overthink what those emotions are. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is who I am. Like I'm not my feelings. Mm -hmm. I'm not who I am in that one second. 
um, and just giving ourselves a lot more grace for that as well because it I think we can judge ourselves so much based on one overreaction and we mm -hmm. just all need a lot more grace for ourselves and each other I know for me I've, I've prayed so many times in my life uh, that I would be less emotional mm -hmm. like especially uh, in my view uh, of what a man should be mm -hmm. a man should be stoic it should be reliable a rock and I am none of those things. <laughs> and honestly, I didn't realize this until I saw the way I was parenting uh, my son, Jack, trying to, to discipline his emotions away. Mm -hmm. And I never would have said that I, that was my attempt, but mm -hmm. uh, I realized after a while that I was trying to get him to be less emotional. Mm -hmm. And uh, then with a little bit of interior examination to realize, oh, I feel so much shame around being mm -hmm. emotional. And thank God that God didn't answer any of those prayers because I think my my emotions are like some of the, like my superpower, you know, mm -hmm. and like it for all of us. Like mm -hmm. God made us emotional. Jesus, we see scenes of Jesus being emotional mm -hmm. and uh, yet did not sin, you know. Uh, so I think a lot of this is giving us permission to be fully human. Mm -hmm. um, and that means unpacking some of the teaching that we received from church mm -hmm. yeah I love that I mean I think I'm like there's so much shame around being emotional it means something about your stability your state of mental security you know and I just think like you could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with God on your most emotional day and he is always going to be the most emotional person in the room like God is so emotional like throughout the Bible you see these very strong very intense emotions God doesn't seem to be afraid of them in any way in himself. Like he doesn't seem to think that if he's really angry, that's dangerous in some way to us or to him. You know, there's just like this deep security with being able to like feel all the feelings. And you see this, I think, in the life of Jesus, just like this willingness to feel so deeply, even inside of moments where he's going to change the story in just a second, you know? Mm -hmm. Let's get really practical for a second. What are some of the best practices that you have for self-reflection? When I'm at my healthiest, there's no hurry in it. There's no panic in it. There's like a really long runway for working through things. There's a willingness to usually proactively, not just reactively, like I'm trying to like process something because I had a terrible interaction with someone more like, I wake up in the morning and I just want to like check in with myself. I think that feels healthier. When I'm feeling healthy, I do a lot of proactive like visualization with Jesus in a specific place I've built in my mind where we just kind of check in with each other and notice things without like pressure to fix them and solve them, but just kind of with curiosity, I think, um, as opposed to like the reactive panicky version that I also have most of the time. Mm -hmm methods of self-reflection for me therapy and I highly recommend it to anyone who has access to therapy run don't walk and reading talking to friends so I was thinking more methods mm -hmm. of self-reflection contemplation I thought of actually mark you this morning because I got up and I keep thinking of scripture before screens which I don't do but 
I do quiet before screen. So oh, I woke good. up in the morning and I got in my chair and my phone was right here and I thought, oh, I have to Venmo somebody, something. Some plumber. And I, some plumber. <laughs> and I put the phone down and I went, quiet before screens. So. I like that. We'll, yeah. change, we'll change it. Silence before screens. Silence before know. screens. Um, but anyway, so I was thinking of, so, you know, methods of self-reflection and contemplation definitely is one. Therapy, friends, books. I love that you mentioned friends because I think it definitely depends on your personality, but I think it's a mistake to think that we can do this on our own by ourselves because, yeah. like, there's so much that we don't see and that we can only see in our relationships with others and with trusted others, like obviously you don't want to open up to anyone because not everyone's trustworthy, but um, trusting that, um, that intuition. But when you have trusted people in your life, they're gonna know you better <laughs> than you're gonna, and they're gonna give you more grace too than you would give yourself. So having other people's voices is so important for, for that. Well, thank you all so much for this conversation, for sharing openly and wisely. I know it'll be a help for a lot of people. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you.